Good morning, everyone. Okay, we're going to practice our sign language again. You can sit, stay seated. And uh, if you weren't here last week, that's okay. Uh, but I want to just try it one more time. So we have um, the scripture. It says he's it's Ephesians three eighteen. And uh, just that phrase, we want to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. So when you meet a person that's hearing impaired, you know something that you can say to encourage them. So today we're going to continue. This is actually the last uh, in the series of 10 messages on the gospel. I'm Pastor Tom, and uh, it's, it's fun to explore the gospel message because oftentimes we just see it encapsulated in John 3.16, but it's far more broad than that. And so today we're looking at, uh, at safe. And uh, what do I mean by safe? When you are saved, when you are a believer, when you come to Christ, when he comes and fills you, your, your eternity is safe. There's a goal in mind with the gospel, and this is the, what we're going to speak about today is the goal. Uh, the goal is to be with Christ forever, to have a new heaven and a new earth, a place where we would be without all of this worry and frustration and war, disease and pestilence, all of that will all be gone. And we'll be safe in his arms, we'll be safe to explore eternity from then, from then on. So I want to talk today about the gospel how it includes what God did in the past, what he is doing now, and what he will do in the days to come. Uh, we'll go on to, the two. there we go. So that's my grandpa. I never met the man. He died the year before I was born. Uh, he was in the First World War. But beyond that, he was a man of faith. Uh, he was up in Prince Rupert, working in the Bank of Montreal, and he realized there was no nowhere to, for him to go to church. There was no Protestant church in the town and back in that era, so he decided to start one. Have you ever heard of regular Baptists, anyone? <laughs> they're, they're a form of the, the British were called particular Baptists as opposed to general Baptists, and the regular Baptists were in Canada. That meant he was a bit, um, what's the word? Staunch? Uh, kind of black and white, kind of uh, more rules-based, more um, how you be a good Christian, and it impacted his kids, which were my parent, my dad. And then my dad, in turn, impacted me uh, with uh, certain things that we did or did not do because we were to be good Christians. Fair is fair. I mean, it was a different era back in these days. Uh, we've, we've kind of let go of some of the, the rules-based religion. Um, but I also have a, an inherent understanding of the importance of living out the Christian faith based on what my dad told me, based on what his dad told him. And so I'm passing that on to my kids. So we can count back about seven generations of people in our family that have been pastors or missionaries or seminary presidents Back in the way far past, and also my nephews and my, my own son are also in church leading as pastors as well. My point is, 
We look back to see how the gospel impacted other people before us, way before us. And we can look forward to see the gospel impacting the future generations. It's the same gospel. It, it has a life. It's almost as though we're, we're standing in this river of the gospel. It's flowing from time beginning until time end. And we get to step into this river of, of hope and good news. And we have a role to play. But we know that one day, you know, we receive from others that have sent to us. But we're going to be passing on to those that follow after us. So the gospel... Uh, includes what he did in the past, what he's doing in us now, and what he will do in the days to come. So when you look at the book of Revelation, it was uh, written, uh, when it was uh, written, the gospel message was just getting started. The gospel of good news of Jesus Christ, he had died, he had rose, the church had begun in the book of Acts, and the book of Revelation has, has been written to seven of those churches that were started in Asia Minor. Uh, it, it, and the impact of the gospel is about to impact the entire Roman uh, Empire and then beyond to the world. And we're inspired by the record of faithful believers and subsequent generations who went before us uh, so that we could have a chance to believe. I don't know where you first heard the gospel, but whoever told you about the gospel, uh, it didn't start with them, right? They heard it from somebody else. And it came to them. They received it. They shared it with you. And, and now our role in these days that we have is to make sure that we share it with others. We continue the tradition of sharing this gospel because it reminds us of his faithfulness to his promises to those, to my grandpa, to my dad, to all those generations, to my family, and to those that are coming after us. And faithfully com uh, commit that truth to those who are coming after us. It tells us how to live today. But it also inspires us, and it, it's a sense of responsibility that we have to, to take this precious message, this good news of salvation, and pass it on to others. We, we're doing the Nativity movie because we want people to hear the gospel. We want people to hear why Christ came. Perfect opportunity to just say, hey, come, watch the movie. We'll go to Starbucks after. It's just right around the corner. We'll go to McDonald's, have a hamburger, and we'll talk about the movie. Because it's important. This is life-transforming information for people to have. You see, we all have a part in the gospel story. We all play a role in this, this, this eternal message, honoring those that have gone before us, inspiring those who are coming after us. And it's our privilege to carry this good news, to share with other people. The gospel awful, uh, also... The gospel also offers rewards for those that are faithful. I want to read from Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, it says, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would, rather, he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. It's talking about someone who's gone before us, who set the foundation for what we would later have. All these people, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Ooh, no, that's different. People who say such things show you that they're looking for a country of their own. They were looking for a better country, a heavenly one. 
We are aliens when we're born again. We don't belong on this earth. We have another home waiting for us. If you, if you plant your roots too firmly in this earth, you're going to miss out on the one that's prepared for you. We are strangers and foreigners here on this earth. We shouldn't feel entirely comfortable here. This earth, this home, all the stuff that we have is temporary. It doesn't belong to us. It's like we're, we're just renting and moving on to where God has prepared a place for us. Ultimately, we'll leave this old earth and our dream home is yet to come. This, I've, how many of you have had a chance to rent? You know, apartments, houses, any, you know, it's not your place. You don't really want to fix it up so much. You want to put your money into it. You don't want to invest a lot of time. I had a beautiful yard when I was in Langley. It was in a quarter, a pie lot, so we had like six houses behind us, but I had vegetation of flowers and plants and shrubs. It took hours from my life to make it look pretty, and, uh, but I knew I didn't own it. I, I was moving on. Same thing here on this earth, that you know, all of our energy and all of our resources, we can pour it into this life or we can pour it into what's to come. This promise that Abraham and others all throughout the scriptures we're looking for is still to be fulfilled. We're still waiting for the same promise that one day Christ will come back and bring us to be where he is. So we all have a choice where we're going to focus our attention on the here and now or the what is yet to come. Do we want to invest in stuff that's going to rust and be temporary and someone else will get it one day? Or do we want to invest in, in what uh, is eternal? Everything we see, actually every people, person, thing we see will one day, the Bible says, pass away. And everything will be transformed to become new. What will we invest in will determine what will last in the future. You know, there's a question that I hear from non-Christians, people who don't know God, and some people who do know God, but they ask this question, how could a loving God allow such pain and suffering in the world? They're not quite sure that they trust this God, that they want to give their life to him, or that he's a good God, if he could allow such horrible things to happen. Well, the truth is, the pain and the suffering were never a part of his plan. He never intended for there to be pain and suffering on his world. What he created was perfect. He didn't invent pain and suffering. People did that. It was people who brought sin into the world, not God. People brought pain and suffering on themselves when they rejected God. That's the, nature, the natural result of sin and selfishness and narcissism. People cause pain and suffering on others. The drunk driver, the alcoholic father, the overindulgent parent, the selfish executive, the dictator, the religious zealots, ambitious lawyers, uncaring teachers. They cause pain on their students, on their clients, on people because of sin and selfishness. People ruin God's plan of peace and joy and love and comfort by rejecting him and going their own way in the world. When you reject God, all you have left is you and what you think is important and what, what affects your life. You don't care so much about everyone else around you. People caused war, not God. You believe over time people's sin caused and spread disease. These viruses and infections were never part of God's plan for this world, but, and they fight against all the good that God intended from the beginning. 
We just like to blame God for all the bad stuff. How could you let this happen? He's going, you. You. How can I let you make those choices? How can I let you speed when you shouldn't? How can I let you drunk drive? How can I let you be rude and angry and, and hurt others? If you want me to make you a robot, I can. I can take all your free will away. But I want you to love me out of a choice. I want you to respond to me because you choose to, not because I made you to do that. So we choose the good and we choose the bad. And there's always consequences. God basically stepped back and allowed people to face the consequences of their own choices. Unfortunately, we have to face the consequences of everybody else's choices. We, we have to live in community. We live in a world where there is sin and corruption and devastation and horrible things going on right now because of people rejecting God and his ways. So our real home is not here. Our real home is heaven. I call it the home of no mores. It says in Revelation 21, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Heaven means no more goodbyes, no more graveyards, no more disease or disability, no more victims, no more hurt, no more old age, no more regrets, no more unfulfilled longings. A fellow named Dan Allender asked this question. Do I live for heaven or do I live demanding that life be like heaven? Your answer will determine what you will spend your life fighting for. Heaven. I see heaven as a focus on relationship. God wants us to be with him. He wants to hang out with us. He wants us to be in his presence as community of, community of faith and believers all together. Finally, all of those that have gone before us, I get to meet my grandpa for the first time. All those that are coming after us, I'm going to meet my great, 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 great grandkids one day. Hopefully they'll be in faith. Hopefully what I transmit to my kids, they'll transmit to their kids and so forth. Behold, it says in Revelation 21.3, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. That's what heaven is going to be like. We get a taste of it here on earth because we have the presence of God through the Holy Spirit every day. But heaven is an unhindered, perfect fellowship with God and with others. The first result of the fall, the sin of Adam and Eve, was a disruption in that relationship. What did they do when they sinned? They hid from God. They didn't want to see him. They were too embarrassed. They were ashamed. Think about all of that being taken away. No more hiding. No more shame. They became fearful of God. Heaven is a restoration where we draw near to God's presence. Heaven removes all of those barriers and all those guilts and all those memories that, of regret. It's the end of loneliness and isolation. It's the end of emotional distance and tension and misunderstanding. It's the perfect communication. I'm not even sure we can imagine what all of that looks like. For me, it's the end of marriage and family counseling. The end of family feuds and grudges and bitterness. Walking in a new garden and talking with God as Adam and Eve did before the fall. Unhindered relationship with God and his people. 
I love to talk to Moses. Moses, I've got a few questions. It'll be fun. Colossians 3.1 says, You have been raised to life with Christ. Now set your hearts on what is in heaven, where Christ rules at God's right side. Think about what is up there, not about what is down here on earth. You died, which means that your life is hidden with Christ who sits beside God. Christ gives meaning to your life, and when he appears, you will also appear with him in glory. Don't be controlled by your body. Kill every desire for the wrong kind of sex. Don't be immoral, indecent, have evil thoughts. Don't be greedy, which is the same as worshiping idols. God is angry with people who disobey him by doing those kinds of things. God doesn't like the sin and the destruction and the rebellion that it brings. But now you must stop doing those things. You must quit being angry and hateful and evil. You must no longer say insulting and cruel things about others. Stop lying to each other. You've given up your old way of life with its habits. Each of you is now a new person. You are becoming more and more like your creator and you will understand him better. We're being prepared for heaven right now. Set your hearts and minds and focus on the kingdom of God. How do you do that? How do you keep focusing? I mean, you got bills to pay. You got a car needs repairing. You got stuff happening. Well, faith. We're to be people of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things you hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith makes unseen things real. Faith keeps its eyes on the goal of eternity. Faith is a confident expectation of what is to come. Faith is not based on fantasy and dreams. It's based on the truth of God's word and the person of Jesus Christ in us, the work of God in our life. Faith gives us the, the ability to see God at work all around us and see his love and care in and through us. Faith will allow us to let God lead us and trust him with the outcome. Abraham didn't know that it was going to be 25 years before he would have a son. There would be conflicts and battles and nomadic living and a heart-wrenching test of his faith. But faith says after, uh, faith says that, Abraham talking, living, acting out on his trust of God that the, the promise was fulfilled. So faith keeps its eyes on the goal. I see faith like a shield, faith that covers us over and protects us from our onslaughts of this world, from the distractions of what this world has. We don't have to have fear and discouragement, doubt and temptation. All the darts of the evil one will only get through if we lower the shield, if we doubt what God says, if we start to chase after other things and what God provides for us. So heaven is the ultimate reward for the faithful. Now here's the confusing part. I'll just be honest with you. All my life I've kind of wondered about this particular theological concept. Maybe you've got a good answer. In your discussion groups this week, uh, if you're in the different Bible studies using the the, the uh, discussion questions. Um, the question is, what do you think the rewards are in heaven? 1 Corinthians 3.8 says, the one who plants, the one who waters have the same goal, and each one will receive a reward for his own action. Luke 6.22 says, blessed are you when men shall hate you, and when they will cut you off, when they will approach you and cast out your name as evil. 
for the sake of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Hebrews 10.35 says, don't lose your confidence, since it holds a great reward for you. For you need endurance, that after you have done God's will, you can receive what he has promised. What do you think the rewards are? Is it just heaven itself? Is it being in the presence of God? Is it, you know, people used to say, you're going to get another jewel in your crown. I'm going, you know, I got a lot of jewels in that crown. It's going to be heavy, like walking around with a crown. What if, what if, you know, someone just barely got into heaven last minute? They got no jewels. They got no rewards. It's like there'd be jealousy. Look how big his crown is. Woo! You know, I don't think it's going to be jewels and crowns. There's something about the reward, but what I do know is it's going to be amazing. It's going to be above and beyond what we can think or imagine. It will be, it'll be truly uh, God-like because he is the one that is preparing it for us. Dr. Gill says, an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in the heavens, and which is not got by work or obtained by the works of the law or bought with a price, but it is a free bequest of God as a father to his children. It's an inheritance particular to his kids, to the children of God. In other words, we have a father in heaven who, who's preparing an inheritance. I don't know if you have received inheritances here on earth. Some not. Some got lots of money. You got to, you know, have your proceeds from your parents' homes and all that stuff and all their assets. It's like, wow, now we can go to Tahiti. Other people didn't have parents that had any kind of, all you got is the visa bill. I was like, oh, thanks for that. You know, the inheritances here on earth ultimately aren't worth a whole lot, right? It'll all fade away. It'll all be passed on to somebody else at some point. But there is an inheritance waiting for God's children. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, As it is written, No eye has seen or ear has heard or mind has imagined the things that God has prepared for those that love him. In God's economy, a servant always receives his wages. And the wages of sin is death. The wages of faithfulness will follow us into heaven. Many years ago, when I was just in my very first while well, I wasn't even out of uh, university yet. There's a young man in my life that uh, he played bass in the worship team. He was big in life, quite an athlete, uh, knew about how to make cars drive faster and faster. Uh, but God got a hold of his heart, and he committed his life to going to seminary and to be involved in full-time ministry. But he wanted to earn some money first, so he bought into a franchise, and he worked hard to make the business successful. And after a few months, he began missing church. Soon, he actually rarely attended church. He was too busy keeping his business going, making it successful. Then he received an opportunity to earn a lucrative money uh, contract as a professional underwater diver. And uh, he would go up into the lakes up in northern Saskatchewan. He, there's cables that got trapped or stuck or those problems. He would dive down, fix the problem, and get, come up with a big paycheck. But one weekend, he was diving in a lake, and he became trapped down below uh, with the cables. And um, his oxygen was running out. 
And so he signaled somehow to the guy in the boat up top, send another oxygen tank down. And when the guy went to get the oxygen tank, he realized he had an empty one. And uh, by the time he went to shore, picked up a new one and came back, it was too late. And my friend lost his life at the bottom of a lake in northern Saskatchewan. At his funeral, we grieved over his death and always wondered what would have happened had he chosen to follow after what God had told him to do rather than pursuing another course of life. He didn't respond and follow what God had asked of him. Another fellow in my first church in Winnipeg lost his life at a young age, less than a year after he was married. There's a tragic car accident. He was actually headed to seminary. He, this was the summer between uh, graduation and heading off to seminary. And so he, uh, he served as a youth intern with me at church, taught Sunday school, led Bible studies in his college campus. He actually debated atheists in public forums on campus at uh, university. And he was very uninhibited in sharing his faith with those around him. And in the end, his funeral had to be relocated to a larger church because so many people decided they wanted to come and join. Those people that, whose lives he had touched, person after person at the funeral began to speak and share at the open mic how Grant had impacted their life. One man actually quit his sales job Inspired by the life of Grant, and he went into ministry himself. Dozens actually gave their life to Christ at the funeral service because of the message the pastor preached at the funeral and the life that Grant had lived. And I looked at his short life and I saw the incredible impact that God had made through this young man who stayed on track, said yes to God at each juncture. Grant even, he, what was he? 25 years old, yet dozens of lives were changed because of his willingness to do his part with the gospel message, to share it with those around, to, to help challenge those who didn't believe in God. I feel he is able to stand before his Lord, unashamed, for he chose to obey whenever his Lord called. Grant will never receive the inheritance of his dad on this earth. But he does have an inheritance waiting for him from his heavenly father, one that has been planned for him to have. So this gospel story, it ends in heaven, the finish line, the great prize for which we all strive. Throughout the Bible, throughout history, people have seen heaven as the ultimate prize for their faithfulness on earth. You know, those who have endured injustice, those who have endured persecution, hardship, and unjust treatment by others, they all see heaven as their ultimate reward for they know that there will be justice one day when everybody stands before the judgment seat of Christ. The slaves in, the, in America had many songs. Swing down, sweet chariot, coming for to take me home. A lot of songs saying, you know, this isn't all there is in life. There's more yet to come. It was their hope. It was their dream of freedom with Christ. Without this promise of heaven, there would be no reason to live faithfully and patiently and endure hardship. There'd be no hope of a future life that would be better than the one that we endure here on earth. But the Apostle Paul, he knew about this truth. He knew because he had come face to face with Jesus. He says this in Acts 20, verse 24. I don't place any value on my life. 
If I can only finish my race in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Therefore, we have such a vast cloud of witnesses surrounding us and throwing on, we throw off everything that hinders us and especially the sin that so easily entangles us. Let's keep running the race with endurance, fixing our attention on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. He's saying there's more important things than what you see. It's the stuff you don't see that will be eternal. How do you live your life now? Where do you invest your time? Heaven is waiting. Rewards are there. Will we be faithful to the end? I like Jesus when he said on the cross, he had lived his life of 33 years, some years. He'd, all the things God had asked him to do, all the prophets that had predicted things, he fulfilled every single one of those prophecies. And then he says on the cross, it is finished. I'm done. I'm ready to meet my Father in heaven, to go back to where I've come from. He could rest from his work and enjoy his peace. One day I want to be able to say that too, that I've done everything that God has asked me to do. I didn't put it off. I didn't ignore it. I walked forward in it. Could you bow your head as we close? Do you know what God has asked of you? Do you know what assignments are that he has put before you? Before you leave this earth, can you say it is finished? I'm done. I I followed everything God asked me to do. I've invested my time and resources wisely in eternal things. Or will you have little to show when you see Jesus and he says, what did you do with all that I gave you? What impact did you have? gospel message is life. It's freedom. It's hope. And it comes with rewards. My desire is that you would commit to things of heaven, to things of eternity, and let go of things that might be holding you back. Father God, guide us into your presence even now. Spirit, speak to our hearts even now. Guide us to know your truth. What do you see When you look at us, what needs to happen in our life that we would come to you rejoicing with the impact that we've made in other people's lives through the gospel message? One day we will see you. Help us, Father, to be faithful. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.